Hi everyone, welcome to Agency Unfiltered, the HubSpot Solutions Partner Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews the owners, founders, and executives of agencies and services providers from around the world about whatever it takes to grow and scale. This week, we have on Tara Gearhart, owner of T-Media Consulting, to discuss one, establishing relationships with sister agencies, and two, how she's designed contracts and customer experiences to support long-term engagements. Both strategies that have allowed Tara, as a small business owner, to achieve sustainable growth and to carve out success as a platinum-tiered HubSpot Solutions partner. For partnerships, we talk about how and why she sought out these relationships, how these help support her menu of services and protect her key areas of focus, and how these relationships appear on the client-facing side. We also talk logistics, including how they are originally scoped and made and established, how payments and invoicing work, and how optionality is presented to the customer. And on the strategy side, we dig into the components that T-Media has put into place to bring them up to and sustain the platinum tier threshold for sold and managed points. So we talk about things like building and positioning contracts for long-term engagements, the means for establishing trusted advisor relationships, and her talk track and value proposition for HubSpot in competitive sales situations with the incumbent CRMs. A must-listen if you're looking to establish the means for sustainable growth. Welcome to another episode of Agency Unfiltered. Welcome to Agency Unfiltered. How are we doing? Doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm good. You know, uh, one of the benefits of the podcast is connecting with partners uh, all over the planet, right? One of the fun parts. But it's also equally as nice uh, to grab time with somebody that is a little more local, a little more, you know, in my in my neck of the woods, if you will. <laughs> yes, it is. It's very nice. We're just north of um, Boston in Cambridge. Um, uh, the HubSpot office is in Cambridge, so it's great to to be so close to home uh, yeah. and, and chat with you today. Yeah, that's great. You're enjoying the same spring New England weather that I am, right? Uh, and probably hearing the same thunder. I don't know if you're hearing that thunder too. So, Yeah, we had thunderstorms roll through, although I will say, you know, spring showers, spring May flowers. So <laughs> get the lawn lawn going, looking nice. <laughs> nah, yeah, I just actually, and we, you know, this could be a whole 45 minutes on lawn care, but uh, just did my first mow of the Ooh. season yesterday. <laughs> Finally just, you know, ripped the bandaid off and yeah. went for it. Uh, and uh wasn't Very too nice. bad. wasn't too bad. Check back in July when I'm just so sick of it. And it's, yeah. yeah, it's like the worst. Um, yeah, or or if it's dry grass and you're drought and you're in like a drought and you can't sprinkle, so you know, right, right. Long, um, long care is tricky. Glad we're not in long care. It's I've gotten to the point. My wife deserves it. My my neighborhood deserves it. I got to start bringing in the experts. You know what I mean? Like, all right, let's get on some fertilization programs. Because uh, I'm doing more harm than good, right? <laughs> so good. Um, but forget my lawn uh, for the moment. Uh, we're here to talk about uh, your team, uh, Team Media, and uh, some interesting levers that you've been able to pull that have led to, you know, uh, a growth in a number of different uh, ways, and however you'd want to slice it or or measure it by. And so, uh, what's really interesting is it sounds like, right, a major point of emphasis and something that you have operationalized is established, you know, partnerships uh, with other agencies, maybe those that supplement or complement services that you offer or don't offer, they do, et cetera. And so 
I don't know. I'm not going to now get too far ahead of it before we even get to how you've operationalized it and what the logistics all look like. Um, give us a quick background into team media and like, what was the spark? What was the Genesis uh, for seeking this out as a, as a strategy? And, and we'll take it from there. Perfect. Excellent. So T-Media, um, I, I've always had an entrepreneurial mind, uh, came from radio sales and actually was a HubSpotter from 2012 to 2014. Um, as uh, HubSpot was building out the Partner Solutions Program, um, you know, I really missed uh, all of the other things, um, good and bad, that come with strategy and marketing planning uh, and, and go to market. Um, and obviously love the tech stack um, and, you know, realized I needed to work for a few more decades and couldn't retire, <laughs> couldn't retire soon. So really needed to get into the space where my clients were playing. And that obviously is um, you know, digital and centralizing um, efforts and really trying to understand how you can have a return on investment for your marketing. So our firm um, for, as with any, I never started a business before. So, um, you know, I, I really um, leaned in on the uh, HubSpot Solutions uh, partner team. Um, at the time, I, I forget the name uh, that it was, but, um, you know, we we have a ton, we had a ton of resources and I was able to get back to kind of just doing what I love, which is long-term relationship selling, um, really focusing on strategy, you know, really doing a deep dive more from an operations standpoint in relation to how businesses run and then, you know, uh, helping them understand how, who to target and then how to make money. So um, it started just with just myself. And then about seven years into the business, um, I uh, brought on my first account manager. And by design, um, we uh, operate on our employees are 1099. Um, and I did that on purpose because, um, you know, I've been a manager in previous lives. And while I love helping people grow, it just is. I, I really like the value that working with other professionals that are seasoned in their field yeah. um, bring to the table when working with particular client relationships. So um, we're, you know, a lean and mean team. Um, we've got two, uh, two great uh, account managers and, and VP of strategists, um, Lindsay and Nina. And, um, you know, we service, you know, over 20 clients on a regular basis um, in our shop and always looking for new ones. Um, and then we uh, utilize uh, based on what clients, projects and programs need and strategies dictate, we lean into the HubSpot ecosystem from a partner standpoint. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, it it was it was really fun starting starting out uh, working obviously with um, I'll give a shout out to Sarah Posnack she was my OG uh, Cam and sure. yeah. um, my actually she was a former BDR on the Spider Monkey HubSpot team <laughs> that I worked with <laughs> and so it's been absolutely amazing just to see her you know growth in in HubSpot in general um, but she for the first I want to say four or five years she was um, she was my Cam until. Uh, account shuffle reworked. And I've been super fortunate to, um, to really have uh, solid partners, um, you know, Peter and Lexi, um, you know, internal HubSpotters that really understand, you know, what we're trying to do to, to help 
companies as a smaller shop from a partner solutions edge. Um, but also because I'm super competitive, you know, the shiny objects that HubSpot <laughs> puts in front of partners in terms of get to this tier, yeah. you know, get access to unlock this, all of those things. Um, we started off as silver and then was gold for a very long time until we had really fine tuned some of from a business aspect, right? So when you first open a, a company, it's let's take all the projects that we can do. Um, and then what we really did was we took a, a play from Dan Tire, all the, the you know, the Dan Tire lines training. Um, we baited that little sales team program for him almost a decade ago. Um, and, and he still is one of the best people on the planet. Um, but, you know, I'll never forget is that the riches are in the niches. And that is exactly true. Um, so about five years in, um, I was super happy that I made it to five years because usually stats say if you survive five years as a business, you yeah. can make it the long haul. Critical milestone. Critical <laughs> milestone. Yeah, it's great. Exactly. So once we made it over five years, I said we have to really refine and not be everything to everyone and really uh, focus in on tech stack implementation, understanding systems and processes and helping businesses understand systems and processes, the value in that for scalability. And then, you know, strategy for, for, for growth from there. And when we, you know, narrow focused on that, that's when we um, really started like doubling year over year in terms of revenue growth. Um, our, our retainer size went from on average, you know, three to 5,000 to over that 10,000 mark. And, you know, we've, we've consistently grown from there. Um I will also say that COVID uh, was one of the things that kickstarted kind of what we call like a hyper growth in the business. Sure. Because everybody realized that they needed a digital way to communicate with people because no one could go anywhere. You had no events. People were not driving. Stores weren't open. Restaurants weren't open. You lost that real grassroots and out of home and public transportation and, you know, uh, even like traditional radio broadcast of that kind of like friend in your car that you would listen to and everything really shifted to podcasts and email communication and social media. And if you didn't have a strategy, you needed one immediately. So, um, so we, it was really funny because we had pitched clients, you know, a year or two before, and we always stay in touch with them and say, Hey, yeah, they came out ready? of the woodwork. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like when, when you're ready to work with us, we're here. Um, and it's so a testament to not burning bridges, <laughs> right? If you lose business at a moment in time. Sure. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not a fan of burning bridges. Um, and yeah, so we, yeah, so we, uh, we, we ended up, um, really seeing a lot of success and, and really truly being able to help businesses understand, their place um, during communication during COVID and, and then obviously coming out of the pandemic, how to blend, um, you know, like a high in the hybrid world that we live in of virtual and in person. So. No, that's great. I mean, there's a, a couple different things uh, as I'm John down notes. So I don't, you know, I want to make sure to, to double click into some of these things, but uh, to your point, um, 1099s to start, I think 1099s intentional decision Yes. Right, in, in a way in which you'd want it, you wanted to build your team. And I can imagine for seasons, like if you frame it as such, right, uh, there's a ton of value add there. And hey, you're still going to get the same workload 
you know, right. as, as somebody we would bring in as a full-time W2, whatever it might be. Uh, but we're going to be intentional about allowing you to have the flexibility. And if there's any other projects or anything else that you'd want to do on top of that. Um, and so it sounds like you've seen an immense amount of value from that. Uh, have you had to wrestle with any under like cons to that? Or is there another side of the coin that's just like the necessary friction in going that way? Yeah. I mean, I've been super fortunate, also very intentional. Um, You know, one of the things that I've had to self-check myself as a business owner is, you know, when you're, when your name's on that front sign is letting go of control in Mm -hmm. a organized way. Right. Um, So, you know, I'm where the buck stops for everything, but at the end of the day, the people that I bring into projects and that I surround myself with are also extensions of the type of work, the type of professionalism and the type of service that clients can come to expect. And so by design, I was super, super selective and it's why it took me almost seven years to bring in the first person to offload the help. You know, it was my husband. I have three children now at the time I had two when we brought in, um, when we brought in like our, our, our first kind of team media partner, uh, inside, inside help. But my husband was like, Tara, you know, you don't have to work seven days a week. And I'm like, but I do, you know? Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's hard um, to be able to like, you know, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's my pet I've built it and right. you know, I have a you know, very in- deep relationship to it. Yeah, exactly. I get that. Exactly. So, so, um, we're super, super fortunate in the fact that like our two, um, our, our two 1099, um, uh, VPs are solely focused on team media projects and we're fortunate enough to keep them busy enough where they don't feel like they have to look elsewhere. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, it's, it's been good so far. Yeah. And it sounds like, uh, the classification of employment type isn't indicative of their, uh, you know, the role they play at the team, the cultural extension, you know? And so, yeah, I I think that that seems to be some, some subtext here too, about like truly, you know, how they're considered employees regardless. Right. Um, Correct. uh, Yep. So the other piece too, that I have as a note, uh, first off, love the Dan Tyre call out. We're big Dan Tyre fans on the pod. Uh, Maybe one day we'll get him on here. That's more so on me. He's, he said, yes. I I was going to say, I think he'd say yes, for sure. You got to get him on. Um, but to your point, I think a really five years is an important milestone. I think another important milestone is being at the place where you can, to your point, start saying no to the business that may not be a great fit. And so riches in the niches start to really consolidate and trim down like, okay, what do we want to do? What type of work do we want to uh, be offering? What types of businesses do we want to work with? Uh, and it sounds like there was, that had a positive impact on revenue, right? MRR, or average sales price of your you know retainers, et cetera. And so- you know, love hearing stories of lean and mean shops, finding ways to traverse the ecosystem and, and you know, uh, find ways to grow and, and thrive. So um, love hearing that. Um, and sounds like a little bit of the, the pandemic too, uh, yeah. sparked some hyper growth. Now, lean and mean, you have some VPs at the 1099. But again, it sounds like another element of this whole go to market is building relationships with partner agencies, uh, potentially for work that, you know, is it, what's the determining factor work that you know, just is off the list of things that you would want to own and deliver in-house? Yes. Yeah. So pretty much, you know, part of the, part of the exciting thing about owning your own business is you literally can have a hand in every aspect of it. Um, But that also comes with building boundaries around understanding where your, your skill set is best used and everything obviously comes down to to like profit margin and ability. And ability. So I'm a big proponent of, I always want to know 
Um, I, I really try to do things on my own because um, I want to learn. And, and at first, you know, you underbid projects and stuff takes you longer and you learn the hard way, but you go into the next, you know, uh, relationship or engagement and understand that your past experiences, you learn from them and you grow from them. Sure. Um, so the majority of the partner work that we outsource is development related. I will say if you asked me eight years ago, like looking at a line of code was like foreign language. Now I, I understand it. It's just I and I know enough to be dangerous and I can fix things on the fly, but it's not best use of my time. I'm sure. not fast in that sense. I don't have a high profit margin on myself when um, I, I do those types of tasks or project work. And so it's just therefore better to bring in an expert that is faster and, um, and, and smarter and, and, and potentially has seen things, um, that can really bring value in that I'm thinking about it this way, but they would say, Hey, based on past experience, um, with other clients, we should probably look at it like this. The fresh perspective can be helpful, right? And so that's actually an important note in that it's not singularly or only for services that we do not offer in any capacity. Maybe it's something we we could do, uh, but there's efficiency gains to be found uh, and improvements to margins overall if we were to fold in uh, another type of expert to d deliver that, right? Um, so it's super, super, super helpful. Uh, how, how do you vet, right? Like, how do you determine yes. who are going to be the right <laughs> partners to do that type of work? So... That's a great question. Um, it's taken me, I want to say, I was joking about it with a colleague, like a, a, a business colleague a couple of years ago, because I go, it's taken me eight years to find like a really good website in high and low and like a really good, you know, developer in high and low um, for budgets. Um, I come from the mind of like vibes, relationships, like how well you gel on communication. Life's too short to not work with people that you don't want to get along with or yeah. you don't feel is offering value reciprocated back and forth. Um, I always start with usually my cam or channel account manager. I'm like, hey, who I have this client. We're trying to accomplish this. Do you know somebody or do you know another partner um, that would you think would be a good fit? We've started there. I've also gone to um, the Facebook, the HubSpot Solutions Partner Facebook group. Yeah. Um, I, I vet a lot of um, kind of questions, projects, things that are a little bit over my head to try to find some expertise there that I've had some success with. So you could use um, that channel. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, I love it. Um, you know, you'll see me probably every quarter. I, I'm up there with some sort of some sort of random question on, can you do this really complicated thing? I'm trying to to move mountains and I'm 70% there, but I need the other 30 that's key to get us over the hump. Um, uh, also, ex-hubspotters, um, you know, maintaining relationships with really good fit people um, that have come in and out that just know HubSpot really well um, has also been um, a big a, a big way that we vetted people. Um, some stuff works out, some stuff doesn't. We, you know, we've we've gone through a few a few partners that haven't been exactly the right fit for long term, um, and that's okay. Uh, and you know, um, but I think also too the way we structure our partner relationship is probably, I, I would say it's not the norm in the sense of 
I bring everybody in, right? So I don't white label. Um, I hate playing middleman stuff that's hmm. lost in translation in the game of telephone. If we bring in another partner, um, I have a conversation and say, hey, this is the client budget. This is this. What do you need from this engagement um, for this type? And they tell me what their rate is and I pay it. I don't mark up on it. Um, the value, and that's one of our USPs that we pitch to our clients is that we are a full service agency that can literally help you with everything that you would ever need from go to market to acquisition, to rebrand, to whatever is in between. Um, and we have multiple teams that do it. And I like to always offer the client a couple people that we are in our inner circle because they're going to be working with them too. It's personality match. Um, we want, you know, the whole system to be happy. And so we really make sure that A, we're working with just good people at the end of the day um, that really care about the work and care about delivering a solid pro uh, product at the end of the day. And then also I look at this as I don't, again, by intention, I don't mark up on other agencies or partners, vendors work that I bring in because the value that I get from the client and the transparency that happens when that is, I get referrals, I get word of mouth, we get pulled in on different projects together, we kind of partner in. That to me is significantly more valuable than 15% markup on a one-time project. Yeah, um, no, I get that. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, you're, you're, you're planting the seed for yeah the long-term benefits of correct. this versus just that short-term, you know, spike in, in, you know, the fee or something like that, that might come your way. It's interesting. So no white labeling, right. And no markup on what the uh, outsourced agency may quote, right. Or whatever the other business, whatever they quote, um, do they have any direct communication with the client? Yes, Are you upfront can. about, Hey, this is the other, you know, provider that's going to do X, Y, and Z. Like how does that whole, you know, communication angle come into effect? Yep. So I, we bring them in, we have a call, we say, hey, this is, you know, Jen or Chris or Tim, and they're going to be working on our project. They're going to be owning this piece of this. Feel free to communicate together amongst yourselves. Please CC me. So I have purview and relations. So if someone has a question on one side, I'm not spending 30 minutes trying to get a download on like a back and forth or what the situations are. So um, everyone's free to communicate directly with each other. I just asked for a CC and um, it's worked out pretty well. Uh, I, I do, you know, there's always a risk by doing things like that where you, you know, you open the door and you're like, hey, you know, this person could backdoor me or whatever, uh, go around, talk to the client directly. Like there's other things. I say karma works itself out. So if that's how that person wants to do business, I- It'll come back around in some them. way, like the universe. It's, yeah. it's not my job to, to self-regulate. That's, you know, I just will never work with that person again. At the end of the day, our clients are fiercely loyal to us because we do have such tr transparency and and we have long-standing clients. I mean, the very first client that I signed up nine and a half years ago is still a client of ours. That's so awesome. that's our goal, and that's how we operate. And so far, it's served us well. Yeah, it's uh, I'm uh, which it's which is amazing. Uh, I am glad you alluded to the potential risks. I was going to ask, yeah. have you seen right? Like, has that you know played out where they ended up poaching or like some nefarious behaviors? Uh, yeah. Uh, so 
Yeah, there was one time, but, uh, you know, I'm like, it's, you know, it worked itself out. Our client was kind of like, like at the end of the day, the you know, the biggest thing or the biggest lesson that I learned from that one experience, this was, I don't know, probably four or five years ago now at this point, um, was I just don't like it messy for the client. At the end of the day, they're engaging all of us. They're mm-hmm. engaging any vendor. They can pick any vendor in the world it's important for us to have our stuff together and not be annoying or messy for them. And, you know, that's, that was the biggest thing was, is it was like, this is not the way we typically operate. And at the end of the day, the client still came back to us and, you know, kind of just let us know, Hey, so-and-so is like kind of doing some shady stuff on the Hmm. side. And, you know, and that's where we say, Hey, you know, um, you can't win a hundred percent of the time, but I'll take ninety five percent of. Yeah, the time. I mean the, the success rate speaks of its own. So it's like even though the risk, you know, may be present, the pros outweigh the cons, and it you know hasn't you know uh, prevented you from continuing to expand this type of strategy, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I guess the other question on the side too is: there any like formalization to this these relationships as you build them to try and safeguard on that stuff? Is it you know do you have to document anything in particular? Or is it you know, a little more free flowing than that. Yeah. I mean, um, I kind of look to, you know, like contracts are obviously very important. Um, some other partners that we've engaged on particular products or projects, um, for clients have had like DocuSign relationships or things like that. Um, I'm totally fine, you know, with that. Um, I usually let the client dictate that like, i.e. if, everybody needs to sign an NDA or whatever, you know, we obviously safeguard um, the client client first. But most of my conversations with partners, um, because they're usually coming from like a word of mouth or from a cam or from an introduction or something like that, um, with the goal for a long-term relationship, um, you know, we, we haven't, we fortunately, we haven't run into too much you know, much the need for it or like any major issues and not having something more like an SOP. Yeah. Yeah, Like an SOP for, for vendors, you know, it's kind of, we, like I said, we've kind of finalized, you know, our, you know, shout out to six marketing in Saratoga, Tim and (laughs) Ashley down in Virginia, you know, Pat at Purcell, who does a lot of video uh, for our clients. And actually Kathleen is his sister who is uh, a HubSpot employee. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we like to keep it in the family and we like to just, you know, make sure that, that we're working with um, first bringing in the right partner for the, for the scope of work that's needed short and long-term. And then, you know, going from there. Well, I think that's a, it's a really great call out too, in that you're not just looking for uh, it's vendors. I'm not trying to outsource work to vendors. I'm trying to establish partnerships. Right. And so I would imagine that the relationship over time is, is, you know, it safeguards a lot of those potential risks. Right. Of course. Um, right. And, and it works both ways. Right. So like some of the um, other agencies, the other partners, because we've been working together for a very long time, it works both ways where they'll bring us in um, on projects to implement HubSpot and to do certain strategy. And it's reciprocal and like that. Yeah. It is totally reciprocal. And we look at ourselves as we are operating on our own separate entities, but together we offer this big suite of services and we know how each other you know, operates and works. And, 
Um, and we're all very loyal to each other because that's one thing that is super hard to come by, you know, uh, it's kind of like, you know, you don't always, you don't always get, you know, loyalty like that. And, and we're happy to say that we have some, a really good partner relationships and and it goes both ways. Yeah, no, I love that. Uh, you also mentioned, uh, I'm going to take us back a few, a few points in the conversation, but you kind of alluded to kind of this catalog of partners, right? And like horizontally, it was like, all right, here are all the services, you know, that we may want to find a partner for. And then for each one of those, there was like a vertical element of like price points. And so it sounds like there's a couple different dimensions in which you'd want to like uh, maybe recommend or bring a partner into an opportunity. Uh, is it, where does the decision making lie? Is it based on what you know about client asks, needs, budget, et cetera, you'll find a partner uh, or is the partner involved in that decision making criteria? You know what I mean? Yeah, typic- typically not. Typically um, it is that the client and I have decided to expand scope of work of services and we need this and our timeline is this and the budget that they have is this. And then I kind of you know, I put out feelers to the people that we work with and say, hey, do you have bandwidth to accomplish this within this? And does this sound interesting to you? Um, and if it does, great. Um, you know, I'll, I'll have you as kind of like one of the two recommendations. If it doesn't, that's okay too. I'll hit you up next time when we've got potential business. Yeah, no, that's fair. And then I think you you had touched on this quickly, uh, but just to close the loop on it and confirm, it sounds like when you find, there's no markup. So you know, you find the partner, we agree to the scope, and then you'll pay them, you know, the flat, yes. rate, whatever the rate is. Uh, and so are you still the singular place for uh, billing and invoicing for the client delivery? And then yes. you're just distributing it out to those partners? Yeah. Correct. Yep. So everything, um, again, you know, so my accountant sometimes is like, Tara, you shouldn't probably do it this way. But <laughs> I am, I am a big proponent of like, if you do the work, you get paid. And then it's my job as the agency to wait for that client payment, but that shouldn't deter the vendor from having to wait until that client gets paid. So, um, as soon as the project is done, as soon as the client has signed off of it, and then usually I just, I basically just add, um, to my monthly, you know, retainer, the, you know, invoice for that as a line item. And uh, that's why this line item is there. And that's where the money went. And that's how it goes. But this regardless way, of accountant yeah. considerations, you're like it works for me. And so, you know, don't fix if it's not broken. That's correct. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I find the partners appreciate that too, because, you know, I've been on the other side of the coin where, you know, I've been brought into a project and the partner hasn't operated that way. And, you know, sometimes it would be like, you you know, 60 days or 90 days before a payment is made. And, you know, it's just, it's not horrible, but also at the same time, it's kind of like, yeah, next time that partner asks me to be pulled in on, you know, on a project, it's like me, I might, you know. Yeah. It takes forever to to get that, you know, payment all the way down the chain. Yeah. Right. Like I just have to weigh, you know, what what's happening and, and all of that. So again, fortunately, majority of the, the partners that we work with operate very similar to, to us is that, you know, we'd, cause again, it's all about client experience and, you know, making sure that it's seamless, um, that, you know, I am always the main point of contact. Um, but I also hate being the middle person and translating, right. Um, it's often best to just have direct lines of communication um, back and forth so that the client can feel happy that they're being heard um, in the correct way. I'm not playing the game of telephone. 
They're also not waiting on stuff from me. Like if we're in meetings back to back to back, which we often are, you know, I want everyone to feel like they can keep the project moving and that there's not a two stop gap um, just because I need to like control all aspects of the project. And again, I, it also sounds like a lot of the decisions you're making on how to how to like run this, you know, these partnerships, uh, it's uh, it's built on this idea of like, hey, yeah, loyalty and trust, right? Like, how can I, you know, uh, prove out that, you know, I'm loyal to the to the partner, you know, there's a trustworthy bi-directional relationship here. And so it sounds like that's kind of the the, the core of, of a lot of the decision making here, which may, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, right, like Darmesh is, you know, heart, right, which is what all HubSpotters, the culture. Death, do you remember right? the heart acronym? I'm not going to put I you do. on the spot. Do you know the do you know the five <laughs> words? I don't even want to spoil the answer. We'll pose the question out there. See if anybody on LinkedIn or elsewhere can figure that one out. Um, I love it. I love it. Uh, now, uh, maybe not through the lens of the partnerships that you've established and kind of the, the opera, 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 what is it? How do you operationalize? There it is. Got yes. it. But uh, obviously you talked about a lean and mean team uh, and you've seen success in growing through the tiering structure uh, within yes. the HubSpot partner ecosystem. And so I do want to just touch on that. Uh, before we we run up on time here uh, and see if there's any recommendations that you have for other you know small businesses and small teams looking to to emulate that level of success um, and so you had mentioned you uh, really started to focus on tech stack and systems and like CRM consultancy and so I guess from like a sales perspective a lot of partners HubSpot as a as a company too we're talking a bunch right about moving up market we know it's becoming uh, more of a competitive landscape. Uh, and, and trying to pitch CRMs. And so any recommendations from a sales perspective on the value proposition of HubSpot CRM and, and how you're able to balance small team uh, with, you know, the sales performance required uh, as outlined in the tiering system, right? Yep. So uh, I, it's long-term contracts. I want to say our average um, client engagement uh, from a HubSpot signing perspective from when we recommend HubSpot um, for onboarding is two to three year deals. Um, a that helps with like pricing lock in. Um, uh, there's, yeah. there's actually, there's actually like three benefits. Um, pricing lock in is, is one thing that's really important because at the end of the day, a lot of times fluctuations of costs around marketing, sales, operations, tech stack, um, you know, shout out Ryan new at vendor, for all of his, you know, soft, my, my old boss, uh, yeah, you know, right. another ex, another HubSpotter. Another HubSpotter. Yeah, yep. Um, I mean, he built an entire, you know, unicorn business based on software sales negotiations for companies. Um, it's incredibly exhausting by the time you get, um, organization and team adoption for a platform platform like HubSpot, even though we still do majority of the work, it's really important to have the organized um, organization that you're working with and business that you're working with invested in the platform um, to see value. So um, that way they're not constantly ripping in and replacing systems and processes. Um, so that's number one, why we structure multi-year deals is because if you've gone through this exhaustive process of vetting multiple companies and clients and partners and people to work with, you might as well get something and make it stick and see it through till its pinnacle value of when it's really churning and working for you. 
Um, thing number two, so that that's two things. It's operational um, adoption of the tech stack, and it's also to help them estimate costs from budget standpoint. Um, and then the thing for, for us that's really important um, when we look at client engagements and um, how to really stack, you know, ARR, you know, um, to hit, you know, platinum tier, you know, all, all of, and, and above is really making sure that our churn is low. So um, maintaining those client relationships, really making sure that you're not constantly replacing clients because you're just on a hamster wheel, right? Um, of if, you know, and, and that uproots a lot of, you know, a lot of things. It creates anxiety, not only for the client, but also for yourself of kind of like, hey, if I'm constantly, you know, in this flux of pitching and in servicing and then replacing and pitching and servicing, it's like, it gets crazy. So, um, you know, we really, we are very, very, very upfront during um, our initial conversations with clients and saying, this is truly a long-term play and truly a partnership. How that partnership evolves um, is dependent upon the organization. So like I said, we, you know, our average client, I mean, four years, five years that they're with us. And then from even from that, like the people that have left, they've remained HubSpot in place. We've actually helped them vet appropriate candidates to take over, mm. stayed on for transition, stayed on for quarterly strategy consulting, you know, really remains um, a true resource and a true partner, um, a true trusted advisor that. in some cases. trusted advisor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and along with that, getting back to your question around CRM consulting is obviously um, Salesforce comes into play because a lot of organizations, Salesforce was first to the market in the CRM. They've done a great job. Although I will say in the last five years, um, you know, when I first had opened um, uh, my agency, we saw one or two Salesforce migrations and it was really like, these are diehard people, Salesforce living, breathing, even with all the ugliness that was happening, like internally, like horrible UX, like kind of clunky systems, really expensive, you know, implement implementators, um, uh, that they had to hire. These people were like loving Salesforce. I will say once the lightning, you know, UX kind of came out and classic was no longer available, mm -hmm. it was like, oh my gosh, this is also a natural to me. And then it really started, I think, uncovering um, the, you know, inefficiencies, I'll call it in Salesforce redundancies, kind of the clunky way that you have to put together things, the way that it can get messy really fast, you know, all of those things. And so we have over the last few years done, to, when we go head to head with Salesforce, we've, we win because not only is our suite of services significantly more cohesive, I feel, than theirs um, from a UX standpoint, from a product standpoint, but also from like a just a like a day-to-day -day user and understanding, it's intuitive, right? So um I had the benefit when I was a hub spotter of being like, I don't know, one of 10 people where we betaed the CRM that we were building. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was like, I think we should do this here. I think this would be great if we didn't make sales reps do everything five times, you know, like if we just did our job and then it translated to the CRM, that would be amazing. Probably people would adapt it more. And 
you know, obviously the last two to three years, the leaps and bounds from a functionality standpoint, um, really going up to mid-market and truly making it a comprehensive enterprise player against Salesforce. Um, I mean, it's, it's in my mind, obviously, I, I, I always feel that we're superior from the way our development team looks at product roadmap um, and from the way we go to market uh, from, you know, from Salesforce. But um, we've won head to head just by those few things, right? Yeah. Scalability options, um, clean, clean users and fairly, fairly affordable implementation options. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's not this ugly kind of annoying process anymore it just makes sense and it's it feels better for people yeah i mean it's uh it, it's 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 super insightful to see how some of these value propositions kind of come about right but the scalability piece the cost component uh, but then there's this balance of uh friendly ux right, right. and front end versus uh, but not at a not because you have to sacrifice deeply powerful, customizable, right? So it's like, you can still have both of those things, right? Which is Correct. really neat. Now I should have prefaced this. Hey, no free advertising on the agency right. filter podcast. We call them, <laughs> we call, uh, you know, others, the incumbents, right? The so incumbents. It's good to hear okay. how it stacks up uh, yes. in, in competitive conversations with the incumbents. But anyways, yes. Uh, and I took some notes down here. Hopefully listeners did as well about some of the things you put into practice uh, to help kind of build the MRR required, right? If, if moving up the tiers is is uh, important to you, I think uh, the multi-year, right, angle, the price lock value prop of that idea, and then framing it too around this, like, how do we mitigate the, the emergence of the software hamster wheel? Whereas like, no, let's have a long-term comprehensive strategy to ensure adoption and strategic alignment, et cetera. Uh, and I think there's this low churn and forecastability uh, element that that I can imagine is, is super helpful too. So super helpful. Yeah, thanks for walking through it. Um, Tara, as we come up on time, the final question I have for you, we wrap every episode with the same question. Uh, what's the strangest part of agency life? I'm like, just one strangest part of agency life? We know life? there's a mountain yes. of things you could cite, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the strangest part of of agency life, um, and I and I will preface this because I am, by nature, I am an extrovert in the sense of I love networking and I love people and I love engaging. Um, COVID changed my perspective a little bit on that in the sense of having the sense of community, but but kind of also being isolated as well. And so that's what I love about HubSpot. And I love the partner program. And I love like, you know, being able to, to have a, like an office, right, that you can go to and you can talk water cooler around. Yeah. Because in some ways, being your own business owner is super isolating. You're, you're, everything is on you. You're you're everything, you know, where the buck stops. And it's like, that's super stressful. It's unpredictable. Um, you know, as there's a lot of stuff that's not in your control, even though, you know, you want to control every <laughs> control everything. Yeah, despite um, your intentions, yes, you know. Yeah. Exactly, despite your best efforts. But I will say that's it's and it's kind of like 
anti-entrepreneurial in the way of like being like kind of like on your own little island over here, you know, like, so, so I will say that is, that's kind of, it's, I don't know if that really answered the question, but I think for me, for me, it was going through, you know, the ups and downs that every business owner has, and then kind of being like, you know what? okay, this is really kind of weird, but it's going to be fine. You know? So it's like, huh. that's like the strangest part is that you like bet on yourself and you know, you're going to be okay, but like, it's still strange, right? You're yeah. just like, when you actually sit down and think about it, which I don't actually really until now when they, you asked me this question, but <laughs> it's like, you know, it, I, I, I don't know. I don't when know. When you start to look at the, uh, the metaphor, the, if you start to look at the, um, uh, the forest through the trees, right? Like you really start to think back, like, yeah, there's some strange components to all of that, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and and it is, and it is like, and it is rocky. And sometimes you feel like, okay, I have to be the only person that's making the decision because this is my company. But like really being able to lean on community, your resources, other like entrepreneur, business owners and mentors that you have, um, it, I would say always like do that. Don't, don't feel awkward. Like you're bothering people at the end of the day. I think people just want to, you know, make that connection, make that community, help each other out. And, um, you know, I, that's, I think that's, that's been my takeaway. No, it's great. And great recommendation. And I think it's a, a great place, um, to wrap. Uh, so Tara, thanks so much for coming on the pod. We've covered a lot today, right? We talked a little bit about uh, team structure and how you've organized uh, your team, both in-house, but also the partnerships that you've built. Uh, we've also discussed how you, and I'm going to get this word right. I, I owe it to myself to say it, how you <laughs> operationalized, right? Yes. These partnerships, there you go. <laughs> uh, trust, loyalty, client experience all coming through. And, and we got to learn a little bit about uh, how you've uh, you know, found ways to find success through the tiering system of the partner program, uh, balancing managed MRR, sold MRR, competitive situations with the incumbents. So anywho, uh, as we come up on time again, thanks so much for coming on, uh, super insightful. And, uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, well, thank you so much. And, and it's been great. And, um, you know, I, I, I look forward to seeing, seeing what, what the future holds, but I know if we continue on this trajectory, we'll, we'll be good to go. So, that's great. um, Excellent. Thank you so much. You bet. And uh, also, you know, best of luck with your lawn, of course, this summer. I know. <laughs> uh, and for everyone tuning in, best of luck with your lawns. And again, yes. thanks for listening to another episode of Agency Unfiltered.